great. Thank you so much for doing that. I know for some of you that's really challenging, but it's really important, especially the guy up front here likes when people get to know others, and uh, I'm so glad that you did that. I also want to let you know that this morning's message is going to be participatory. I'm going to request that you clap because it is Easter, all right? So I want you to be engaged in this message with me, okay? So it's not just me talking to you. I want us to be in conversation together, and I expect some of this, all right? I'll let you know when we're, all right, all right? It's going to get louder, at least I hope and pray it does. So listen, I was fascinated by a story uh, that was in the news. It was in the news a year ago. Actually, it'll be a year on Wednesday. Uh, it was the story of a man named Robert Williams. Mr. Williams was in a Pennsylvania prison. He was serving two to four years for a parole violation. But on Wednesday of this year, it'll be one year since his release, uh, anyone see that in the news? No, you didn't hear about it? It's probably because he had another name. He doesn't go by Robert Williams. He goes by the name of Meek Mills. Meek Mill. All right, now, yeah, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, now everybody's like, oh, yeah, Meek Mill, yeah. He's a rapper. I don't listen to him, uh, which probably doesn't surprise you, right? But he was released on April 24th. It'll be Wednesday. It's a year. But his release fascinated me. It just, I'm serious. I was like blown away by this, and I'm going to tell the story and tell you why, okay? Uh, 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 he, he is actually, uh, his, his music is played at Sixers games during pregame, and uh, he's actually friends with Joel. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and J.J. Reddick, and they would visit him in prison. On the morning of April 24th, he was in prison, all right, a year ago. He was in prison at this time. He had no freedoms. He had no choices. Everything was dictated and decided for him. His clothing choice, prison wear, his meals, prison menu, his schedule determined by prison guards. Every moment was secured and controlled. He had no control, no choices, and no freedom. But later that same day, the same day, April 24th, in the morning, he had no choices. He had no, free, he had no freedom. He had no control. But later that day, that same day, he was flown by helicopter to the Wells Fargo Center. He was in the Sixers locker room before their playoff game. He rang the bell center court to start the game, and then he sat courtside for the entire game. This is the part that I found most fascinating. He went from prison to courtside in a matter of hours. What's that feel like? What's it feel like to go from no freedom at all, no control and no choices to being able to do whatever you want, even sit courtside at a basketball game, a basketball playoff game? What does it feel like to suddenly have a sense of freedom? What was that moment like to have no freedom and then suddenly to have every freedom? It's a dramatic and sudden turnaround. Would you agree? Imagine what that would be like. So early on Sunday morning, it's up on the screen. While it was still dark, Anybody get up before dark this morning? I did. The rest of you didn't, even with little ones? What about Easter baskets? Oh, yeah, all right, there's our first one. All right. Uh, even, even Easter baskets? No? Yeah? All right, all right, you are. Night before, brilliant idea. 
Mary Magdalene, all right, came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple. Now, the other disciple is John. John's the one that wrote this, wrote this story, and he decides to not use his name, but to call himself the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. It's almost like he was like put in their faces, I think, but he's like, hey, I'm the one that Jesus loved. No, he's not doing that. Just kidding. But the night before... John and the others were convinced that Jesus had been stopped by a Roman cross. On Saturday, that's what they believed. That night, on Saturday, the only thoughts in their minds were things like dead, hopeless, despair, disappointment, discouragement, defeat, doubt, fear, loss, sorrow, grief, regret. They were living in that kind of prison on Saturday. The story goes on. The woman said, she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. See, they both, it says they were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Just in case you were wondering, John's faster. And reached the tomb first. It's still Saturday night in their minds. Because why are they running? They're not running to the tomb expecting resurrection. They're running to the tomb looking for grave robbers. Because dead bodies don't come back to life. Dead is dead. So John may have outrun Peter, but then the verse goes on. John stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. He may be faster, but he's, no one walks into a tomb. But then Simon Peter arrived, and he went inside, because while Simon might not be a fast runner, he's a little more bold. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. And then they went home. The night before, John and the others were convinced that their three-year apprenticeship program had been abruptly ended and in vain. And in their minds, Jesus was dead and gone because dead is dead. There was no hope. There was no future. There was no control. Hope was dead. The future was gone. The world was spinning out of control. But now, on an early Sunday morning, everything suddenly was different. John says he saw and he believed. See, he'd heard the scriptures. He'd heard Jesus talk about resurrection. He didn't really understand it. He didn't want to admit that, but he didn't really understand it. Before that moment, he believed something and wondered about more. But on Sunday morning, suddenly John understood because he saw resurrection and he believed. See, running to the tomb, he didn't believe. But walking away from the tomb, he believed anything was possible.
That's the difference between Saturday and Sunday. Saturday is about dead and hopelessness and a prisoner of doubt. And Sunday is about life and hope and freedom. How do you go from dead to life? What's that like? To go from hopeless to hope-filled. It must be as jarring as moving from prison to freedom and standing courtside at an NBA basketball game. Of all the events and all the activities and all the ideas of the church, the resurrection is the thing for us. It is the thing. This is our Super Bowl. This is our World Series. This is our big event. This is our thing. Jesus rose from the dead. Love is stronger than hatred, and life is stronger than death. Easter tells us that nothing, whatever may be happening in my life, whatever may be happening in your life, nothing is impossible without God. See, if we believe in Easter morning, your whole life changes. You may run to the tomb expecting grave robbers, but you walk home seeing and believing. And I believe, I believe that we are wired to love a good resurrection story. I think it's in us. I think it's just part of our DNA. I believe we're wired to want to believe it. I believe that when we see resurrection, we can believe in resurrection. And I think sometimes we just need to look a little closer to see that resurrection is all around us. I was planning the Meek Mill opener months ago. We work on these things months in advance. I know that the Finished product may not always look like that, but I promise that's how it is, all right? And I knew that I was going to begin with that story. Last Sunday, I didn't know I was going to begin, uh, use this story. But as it was happening, I knew there was no doubt I was going to use this story. Tiger Woods won the Masters. Huh? I was riveted. I could not, I watched it, and I don't, I watch a lot of golf, but I've never watched Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but I had to confess. I don't know, I have to confess. My family knows I did it. I watched Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I took off work on Thursday to watch it, Thursday, <laughs> Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and the whole time, I wouldn't say it out loud until Sunday I started to. I wanted Tiger to win. <laughs> all right, see, we're warming up, all right? It was his first major victory in 11 years. His putt on the 18th green did more than earn him another green jacket. It concluded one of the greatest comebacks in sports. It completed the resurrection of Tiger Woods. Bear with me, I think I'm okay to say that because let me explain. A decade ago, it was a whole different story for Tiger. Tiger's life began to tailspin in 2009. A high-profile divorce. Publicized serial infidelity. A humiliating DUI. Multiple injuries sidelined what was once an overpowering golf game. 
A revered athlete became a punching bag. He was a broken man in every way. At every major golf tournament soon after those events took place in his life, the talking heads announced that Tiger will never win again. The golf world had given up on him, and Tiger's career was dead. Tiger Woods was nothing more than a cautionary tale of what if, and he had become a has-been to many people. But last Sunday, the world, including your pastor, was fixated on the resurrection power of the moment. Now, if you remember on Sunday, that, uh, that final round was pushed up. I have never not wanted to be in church more than on last Sunday. I confess that to you as well, all right? And so what I did was I had a strict no social media policy for my family, all right? I was recording it. I had my poor wife record every, every, everything on CBS all the way through because I could not miss one moment of this. I took my phone as soon as I got home and I put it upstairs so I would not see any of you people texting me about what was happening because I wanted to watch it live, in my mind live. And so I ate lunch and then I sat down and I watched six hours of golf. <laughs> Fast forwarding the commercials. And we rooted for the underdog. We were on his side. I have to admit, I may have even shed a tear, but it's a sports event, so you're allowed to. We love a good resurrection story. We love a comeback story. We love a turnaround story. For Meek Mill, it was from prison to center court, a turnaround story. For Tiger Woods, it was from brokenness in every way to a green jacket. It was a comeback victory. He, we choose to believe in what, can, what is impossible. We want to believe. I believe we're wired for resurrection stories. I would suggest the Apostle Paul says the same thing. It's up on the screen. He said this once. He said, and you have been called to live in freedom. God promised that he would crush wrong once and for all. God vowed to send his son to defeat sin and death by his crucifixion and resurrection. God made a promise. At just the right moment, Jesus would come and fulfill what had been promised. Easter is a reminder to us that we can't put limits on God, that what seems dead can be brought back to life again, and I think we need to clap. When you're feeling weak, when you're feeling broken, when you're feeling inadequate and out of control, when you feel like you're a prisoner trapped, remember that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is yours as a child of God. And if God could do this, raise a dead body and make it living again, there is simply nothing inside or outside of you that God is unable to handle. Should we cheer for that? That God loves us enough 
that he would rather die than live without us. That God's love is not motivated by what God sees in us, but by what is inside of God. That even when we're unlovable, even when we're rebellious, even when we're full of ourselves and wanting our own way, God is still loving. That God loves transforming people by God's grace and rescuing us from our prisons, giving you and I our own resurrection story. At times, you may feel stuck in a prison of complacency and choosing to settle for a less than sort of life. Your comeback story, your turnaround story, your resurrection story is real and it is available because Jesus left the tomb on Easter morning. You see, Easter is our freedom story. No matter how imprisoned and how out of control your life feels right now, Jesus is reigning and he will continue to reign for all of eternity. It means that your past, my past, has been paid for, no matter what you've done or where you've been. It means that in your present circumstances, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is available for your life today. It means that your future is a guaranteed future. We sang earlier, the end is written. You and I are made to live free. Whatever you are facing, freedom is more than a possibility. It is a reality. And I know that there are people here who believe. Like John, they believe, but they wonder. Is there more to this life than just this life? Is there more than career, more than my current circumstances? There must be more. And you may feel like you are living a prison existence. I want you to hear this morning that you are made to be free. There are probably others here who wonder, how can people even believe this? Dead people don't come back to life. Except in the movies. That the resurrection is a myth. It's a legend and that people told stories, and others heard those stories, and the story is expanded and fabricated, and it's been exaggerated over the centuries. It's one of those, it seems too good to be true kind of stories. If you think that, let me just suggest this. What if it's true? What if we're, we're wired to believe it and it's true. What if we're made to be free? There are others here who wonder if they can ever believe again because you once believed, but then life and difficult questions cause you to lose your faith. 
Life overwhelmed your belief. You've become a prisoner to your own circumstances, whether it's a stressful job or broken relationships or families or, or uh, health issues have taken over your belief and skepticism has led you to have a lack of faith. You are made to live free. The empty tomb leads us from death to life. We are Sunday morning people, not Saturday night people. We are people who believe in turnaround stories. We believe that resurrections are possible. We believe that freedom is who we are, and we get to celebrate comeback stories. So we can live in confidence that God is for you, that God desires to transform your life, that God wants to release you from whatever belief system you may, that may have imprisoned you so that you can be free. We can trust in all the promises of life and hope and choose to believe in freedom. We can be confident of God's power and love that no matter what we are experiencing, wherever we are right now, our worst moment can become the beginning of our best life possible. Easter means not only are we guaranteed eternal life in the distant future, but also abundant life right here and right now. I don't know when you guys started the clock. I don't know how long I'm supposed to talk. I think I'm supposed to be done about now, so I'm going to start to wrap it up. Ben, you guys can come up. Such a beautiful segue, wasn't it? <laughs> See, folks, your story and my story, we get to celebrate resurrection stories. We celebrate going from prison to center court. We celebrate complete brokenness to a green jacket, and we get to celebrate running to an empty tomb and walking into a life of belief and faith. And from our own imprisoned circumstances and what could have been to freedom greater than anything we can imagine. Jesus said, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. And because of the empty tomb, because of what we are celebrating this morning, our hearts and our lives can be full. Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing a few songs. God, I thank you for the men and women gathered here. God, I thank you for uh, this time that we've had. God, and I pray that as we continue to worship you, God, that we would know that no matter where we've been, whatever we've done, no matter what our thoughts about you in the past have been, God, your desire is for a resurrection story. God, you love comeback stories even more than we do. And that's why I believe it's wired into us. And so, God, I pray that we would, wherever we've been, wherever we are even now, God, that we would know that the empty tomb means that our hearts can be filled. And that our relationship with you is possible. And so, God, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Easter, and we thank you that we are called to be Easter people.